live from the Redeemer Radio 95.7 studios in the shadows of the Golden Dome, this is Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Well, for the first time in three weeks, Notre Dame football returns the game action tonight as the Irish will host Florida State at 7.30 at Notre Dame Stadium. It's Notre Dame's first game since defeating South Florida on September 19th and then shutting it down for a couple weeks because of a COVID-19 breakout. Welcome to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. I'm Angel DiCarlo, joined as always by Kevin Downey. Kevin? It's good to be back on an Irish game day. It's feel like it's it feels like we barely started and we barely did. Only got two games in as the Irish are two and zero, ranked fifth in the country. But it but it's nice to have football again here tonight. Yeah, and those two weeks off um, seemed like an eternity, right? <laughs> it's great that we have a, a game day tonight. At Florida State is not the Florida State of old. Uh, not certainly not that team that came in in '93 in that big matchup uh, between Notre Dame and, and Florida State. They're one and two, zero and two in the ACC. Losses to Georgia Tech and Miami. They beat Jacksonville State uh, last in a week, close game. and that was way too close. They were down twenty-one-seven in late in the second half. Made it or late in the second quarter. Made a change at quarterback. And that kind of sparked things for them, uh, but we'll see. I mean, I don't know. The one thing we're noticing here is Notre Dame's schedule to start the year is the teams aren't very good at all. Duke hasn't won. South Florida's got one win. Uh, Florida State's only win is against a one uh, is against a FCS school and Louisville, yeah. who they play next week. They lost to Georgia Tech last night. They're one and three, so it's an interesting start to the year for Notre Dame. Well, and Florida State's definitely rebuilding, so they have the new coach, but the uh... The Willie Taggart era had been pretty tough on them. <laughs> there's yes. there's plenty of talent. Like if you would look at their their recruiting numbers, I'm sure that those guys are ranked really high. Talent all over, but they are not a cohesive unit. I mean, they're really struggling <laughs> in a lot of different phases. The Very inconsistent. The only thing we'll say is maybe they did get their act together in the second half last week against Jacksonville State, and they could surprise you tonight, especially with Notre Dame having this big layoff yeah. and getting back into it. So we'll we'll see, and we'll we'll talk a lot about that on top and. On tap on this morning's show, our Focus on Faith interview is with Father Joe Carey. He graduated in 1962, has been on campus since 1977. His dad was on campus when Rockney was the coach. Father Joe was right there for Montana in 77, Catholics versus convicts in 88. He has some fun Digger Phelps stories. He's got a lot of stories. Uh, you're going to want to hear that later on in the show. Next segment, wide receiver Kevin Austin is expected to make his season his season debut tonight hear what brian kelly and the irish players have to say about what fans can expect to see brain Lindsay short to the point and made a big statement with what he thinks we'll see from kevin austin in the very near future but let's just uh start with the latest covid19 information surrounding the program it's we almost need a like little uh news stinger to be like now your covid19 notre dame football <laughs> update um because in 2020 <laughs> it's all right, so at the peak of the outbreak, they had 39 players out. As of Monday, it was down to seven players in isolation, so seven players that had been testing positive, four others quarantining. Now, we don't know out of those 11 guys that were out if more of them have been cleared and will be available for tonight or if additional players maybe uh, are going to be out. What we can tell you is that linebacker Jack Kaiser – Defensive lineman Myron Tagaloa-Mosa are both out tonight. Brian Kelly said on Thursday that they're both unavailable. 
that unavailable list that pregame code. is is a big <laughs> list. Uh, uh, we saw you know eight guys before South Florida, and then that led to the the outbreak. Obviously, we don't know what to expect. You, th- that list could come out sometime today, Kevin, and you're freaking out. You see nine guys on the list, and you're like, oh my gosh, they have another issue. Well, it could just be the guys that have already been out for the last mm-hmm. ten days or so. It's so it's going to be hard to to gauge, but. No Kaiser, no MTA. Those are two big losses, and it'll be interesting to see. Um, and it's a shame for Jack Kaiser, man. He got his big opportunity against <laughs> South <great> Florida, <laughs> and then they don't play the next week. They're on the bye, and now he's not available. So who knows the next time we get to see him and whether or not those other Buck linebackers are going to play really well, and he's not going to get back out there for a little while. Well, and you know they say that they have some pretty good depth at linebacker, and they have played different people at that level. Um, they're going to need to. <laughs> Again, we didn't know anything about Jack Kaiser, though, before his game, and he stepped up big. Well, no question about that. And uh, with MTA out on the defensive line, they they could they could be playing a ton of guys on the defensive line. Mm-hmm. They may play every guy they have. And one of the things is that Brian Kelly said this week was, um, you know, as guys are coming back, they're at, getting out of isolation, getting out of quarantine. They might not be able to play 60 snaps. Yeah. You know what I mean? They might have to ease them back in. So, especially on that defensive line, they might have to really be watching guys in terms of how many snaps. So, they might be rotating a ton of guys, which means I remember back in week one, your concern was the the lack of chemistry on yeah. the defensive line. That could come into play again here tonight. Well, they're going to definitely play lots of people, but I think Florida State's uh... – offensive line that would be a a very big issue or a very big area of concern I mean they're just really inconsistent so maybe with that weakness it's it's going to still be all right for uh all those different Notre Dame guys all right uh on the injury front Kyle Hamilton Ben Skoranek are expected back tonight we and as I mentioned we should uh get the season debut of Kevin Austin we'll have more on those updates coming up next segment but again the Irish shut things down for a while um, after the South Florida game, they resumed practice nine days ago. Brian Kelly was worried about the layoff, getting back up to speed, but also not doing too much that they are going to be tired tonight. They scrimmaged last Sunday. Here's what Brian Kelly had to say Thursday about where he feels his team stands. It's a fine balance between trying to uh, do too much um, leading into uh, the, the, the game versus, you know, uh, taking it as a normal, you know, uh, you know, normal week of, of, of preparation. You know, we, we practiced on a Sunday and then came back and, and, you know, obviously added to that week, you know, this week. So, you know, I look at the end of the day, you know, when you, when you don't play for a couple of weeks, you worry about timing, execution, things of that nature. And, I'm less concerned about it as we've gone through the week because we've, you know, we've gotten our legs back and we've gotten back into a football kind of, you know, routine. But I think earlier in the week, you know, when I was asked the question, there was a lot of, you know, uncertainty because I hadn't done it before. But as, as I've looked back on it now, I, I think, I think we've taken the right approach in terms of balancing this off and not, you know, not doing too much with our guys, but doing enough off the field as well with film study and weight training um, that we haven't put our kids in a position where they're going to have dead legs when we go out on the field on Saturday. Your thoughts? 
Well, there's so many different variables. Um, <laughs> you know, I, if they win the game, then wow, that preparation was really good. <laughs> you know, we dealt with all the the well, changes that came. Depending at on us. how they win the game, that's true. <laughs> Style points too, especially when you're a big favorite. Um, but yeah, it's just I think it's so tough with different people cycling in and out with the whole COVID thing. There is no sense of normalcy. Absolutely shutting down for a whole week. I mean. I don't know. And then you got to keep in mind, these are college kids, too. So what's their mentality? Well, and then you throw in the fact that coaches and players, for that matter, are creatures of habit. Right. And I think I think in a way, Brian Kelly maybe overplayed it in his own head at the beginning of the week, because he's like, I've been doing this for 30 years and I really don't know what to do right now. Like how to play this and do it. And then by the time he got to Thursday, he's like, oh, yeah. All right. All right. We're okay." You know what I mean? And and hopefully that is the case. But there is a, probably a balancing act of mm-hmm. of overdoing it versus underdoing it, right? You, you got to get them back up to speed, but you don't want to have dead legs all of a sudden tonight and then not be, and, and be tired. Yeah, and not play at their best at 7.30. I don't know. I, again, there's... I think you can overthink it. <laughs> they, they just got to kind of roll with it like we all do this year and and do their best. Now, speaking of overthinking it, what can we expect from Ian Book tonight? Because we've had too much time to think about Ian Book and overanalyzing him over the last several yeah. weeks. Uh, what do you think? Well, again, I'm pretty high on Ian Book. I think he's good. I think he'll have a, a good game, but he may be rusty. I mean, their timing may be off. It'd be really, really nice to see some emergence of uh, some of the wide receivers that we're going to talk about because that position is a little uh, – underperforming at least up to this point we know that the the tight ends and the running backs are good this year so and obviously the offensive line is really solid so uh yeah there's a lot of positives but who knows as far as the breaks right (laughs) I mean here's the other thing by the way you you mentioned the offensive line is really solid I'm interested to see what what the deal is with them everyone is building up the offensive line all of a sudden to be pro football focused ranking them number one in the country I'm like it's been two games, and one of them was against South Florida, and they stunk in the first quarter and a half against Duke. Like, and Florida State's no good, Louisville's no good, so we're it's gonna be a while before we really know. But I'd like to see him against a athletic Florida State defensive line to to get a better sense of whether or not they're as good as number one in the country. Yeah, you're not gonna get a really good read from them with Florida State. <laughs> I mean, they have uh, they have one really good defensive lineman, Florida State, number twenty one, Wilson. He's really good, uh, and a couple good linebackers. But to be honest, they're uh, they're, they're struggling a little bit up front on defense as well as offense. All right, well then, there's that. Uh, all right, Notre Dame Federal Credit Union, the title sponsor for. Irish Sports Saturdays. Did you know that Notre Dame FCU is the largest Catholic credit union in the United States? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has served over 800 Catholic entities in over 25 dioceses nationwide. These include colleges, parishes, schools, food pantries, homeless shelters, and Catholic radio stations, including Redeemer Radio. Member-owned, not-for-profit banking is the way to go. You raise share of values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This week was the first time we got to speak to the Notre Dame football players since post-game of the USF game. I asked Javon McKinley what the emotions were like during the peak of the outbreak as he was saying, uh, seeing a ton of his teammates testing positive. Here's what McKinley and fellow wide receiver Braden Lindsay had to say. It was difficult to hear about that. And as we got shut down, I was thinking if that was it for the season, if we were going to be able to get a chance to play again, practice again. 
And I didn't really know how to react to the situation. I just went through my thought process. I can focus on my schoolwork. I can keep my body in shape for hope for hopefully uh, the day that we do come back and practice, which thankfully did happen. But in the time, I more took it day to day and what I could do, uh, not thinking too much long term because it's not giving my energy. So that's not really going to accomplish anything. So taking day to day process was how I um, handled that situation. It's obviously very difficult uh, to not play, and obviously we want to play. Um, you know, no one opted out, and everyone wants to be here, and we trust the organization. Like I said earlier, we trust Rob Hunt, uh, Dr. Leisler, incredible men. They're great at their job, and their first focus is the safety of us. And um, each step of the way, they've done their utmost uh, ability to keep us safe. We had a slip-up, and they made adjustments, and we feel comfortable with those. So now we're back, and we're doing better than ever can't be easy being a player as you're seeing all these guys going down and you, you're you're worried, well, am I going to get it? Yeah. Did I get it? Am I going to be okay? And are we going to play football? Like, are they going to shut us all down? That, that that There's a lot of mental fatigue that's probably happened in the last month for this team. Well, I think they're like all of us just kind of taking it day to day. That was interesting, too, though, that, that – uh that no one opted out because there, there yeah. have been a lot of different <laughs> players that have done it all over the country at different levels. No, no question about that. Uh, one of the questions that came up this week for Brian Kelly was how did Notre Dame originally get COVID? Obviously we, we know the stories of maybe how it spread within the team, mm -hmm. you know, whether or not it was from the locker room, from the pregame meal, from a, a player throwing up on the sideline during a game. Uh, but Brian Kelly said in terms of how they initially got it, he's like, look, they're on campus. They're, they got, they're involved in committees. They're involved in projects. He also said, he, and how, he said, he goes, maybe a couple guys were playing video games and not wearing a mask. He got some interesting hypothetical uh, scenarios where he threw out there that you almost wonder, maybe he's actually telling us that's what it actually was. <laughs> um, he also mentioned maybe some guys got into a car together and weren't wearing a mask and somebody was asymptomatic and they didn't realize. So, uh, so that was interesting to hear as well. So Brian Kelly was also asked, what did he learn during this two week period? Let's hear from Brian Kelly on that. Put in place procedures and protocols for the day to day operations. And, um, some of the things that, uh, that, that you can't, you know, kind of see, happening are um, victories. Um, and what I mean by that is uh, uh, when guys are excited and, and um, good things happen, uh, guys want to celebrate. Um, a celebration in the game probably cost us four or five guys um, because there was, there, was, there, there was that opportunity. Guys, you know, <laughs> when they want to sing the fight song, you know, it's hard to keep their mask up. Um, and, and I'm just giving you just just a, a, a glimpse of the little things that 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 are between the lines when you're writing up procedures and protocols. It, you don't think about the, the, the it's so hard to win. And then when you do win, you know, the first thing out of my mouth is, hey, stop celebrate, stop celebrating, put your mask on. Um, you have to do that. And and so. That's probably what we're all learning is that it's so hard, uh, given the circumstances that we're in, that we have to be on top of every little thing, uh, regardless of the circumstances. 
you know, I followed up and asked him, uh, wait, that four to five guys celebration, is that a literal thing or is that like a hypothetical? And he goes, he goes, no, it's not hypothetical. We can't know for sure if that's what it was. But I think it basically made it sound like once they did their contact tracing and they started piecing things together, they're like, well, those five guys were all together, you know, and that's what they thought maybe is 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 an issue. So it's an interesting way to think about it, uh, but I, I can understand the what he's talking about, about the celebrating part or yeah. the, the jubilation of a victory and you let your guard down for even two minutes, it could be a big problem. Well, and <laughs> that's one thing I guess I've learned this year is that you got to be thankful for all the little normal things, but at the same time with uh, dealing with this pandemic, it can make things that used to be fun not that much fun anymore, you know? Um, I Man... There's so many things you have to think about and think again. Now you're in charge of 20 coaches. You're in charge of the, you know, hundreds of players. Like there, there's just so many variables that you can't control. Um, and yeah, pull your mask up for the fight song. Like, and spread I'm, out. <laughs> I mean, and spread out. I mean, they're like oh, the entire side of the 50 for the fight song. So I, I would yeah. hope the fight song and of all things, I mean, and they also said now that they're going to separate the players on the sideline. We talked about that last yeah, week. Have we more spacing. That. That's kind of important. I mean, it's it's hard to wrap your head around some of these things because you're like, they're standing next to each other the entire game. They're playing the whole game. They can't stand within 20 feet of each other during the fight song. That's mm-hmm. one of the things. But then again, you're like, but you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so you better be safe than sorry. You, the last thing Overly you want to be cautious. Yeah, you, you have to be because you don't know what's going to be the next thing that throws you off, especially when you you think one of them is because uh, of eating pregame meal. All right. Coming up, Father Joe Carey's family has been active on Notre Dame's campus for nearly 100 years. So he has a lot of stories from Rockney to Montana to Catholics versus convicts to Digger Phelps. You'll enjoy our Focus on Faith interview. And up next, Kevin Austin is finally expected to play tonight, and Braden Lindsay gave a short but powerful statement of what we can expect. That's next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We know you like football. So do we. We're TireRack.com, and this is our version of a two-minute drill, except it's only 30 seconds. TireRack.com has an enormous selection of tires. Not sure which ones to buy? Use our tire decision guide to find the right tires for your vehicle and the way you drive. Then get them shipped fast and free on all orders over $50. Shipping is in as little as one day. Free. TireRack.com ships to independent, recommended installers. TireRack.com. The way tire buying should be. Touchdown! If you like football, and I'm pretty sure you do, do if you're listening to us right now, then how about a new Redeemer Radio show hosted by a former Super Bowl champion? One catch, the show's not about football. It's hosted by Chris Godfrey, called The Sandwich Generation. The show talks about those who are caring for their aging parents while also raising their own children. A lot of great real-life lessons. Here new episodes on Mondays at 1230 here on Redeemer Radio. Welcome back to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Angel DiCarlo alongside Kevin Downey here. Notre Dame and Florida State kickoff at 730 tonight. Irish first game since September 19th. Jack Kaiser and Myron Tagalavoa-Mosa have been deemed unavailable by Brian Kelly. Of course, we are very interested to see who else will make that pregame list as unavailable tonight. But there is some good news on the injury front. Kyle Hamilton will, in fact, be back in action here tonight for Notre Dame after that ankle injury that's 
very welcome news, right, Kevin? Because uh, to me, he's it's great news. He's a difference maker. Yeah, to me, he's flat out the best player on the team. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's definitely the best player on defense. I mean, he he can affect the game. Who you think's better on offense, though? Well, I mean, Ian Book is pretty good. Oh, yeah, come on! <laughs> you you got to rate a quarterback pretty. I mean, are, he's pretty are good. Are you kidding me right now? Oh gosh! We don't have time to debate we, this, but I'm gonna put this on the list. <laughs> if you're trying to put Ian week. Book ahead of Kyle Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton would pick Book off. In fact, here's what I'm expecting tonight. I'm expecting Hamilton to get two interceptions on Florida State. That's what I'm expecting here tonight. I'm calling it right now. All right. Well, I, I'm I think, both of them. So Yeah, well, Ian Book <laughs> might throw two interceptions also. So I don't know. We'll Ooh. see. Uh, Hamilton did not scrimmage last Sunday to keep him safe and make sure he's all right. Ben Skoranek also expected to be good to go tonight. Haven't really seen anything from him. Got injured Early. Well, the time off for those two injuries is great. Yeah, that's that what they need the to heal. So only benefit right out of this that these guys had time to catch up. All right, the the big one is the return. Kevin Austin had foot surgery eleven weeks ago. Expected fifteen to twenty plays tonight. They want to play it safe with him, not overdo it. What will Irish fans see once Kevin Austin is one hundred percent? Here's what Brian Kelly, Javon McKinley, and Brian Lindsay had to say: Explosive, uh, rangy, uh, outstanding ball skills. And uh, a guy that can open up the game. You know, he can take the top off of coverages. Uh, he can uh, catch it and um, go the distance. And he can win one-on-one matchups. Uh, a guy that uh, would be nice to get on the field for us. Explosive guy, fast guy. You're looking at someone who can take on the ball, uh, take a short route, get a few yards after it. Definitely an explosive player. Uh, you can see a lot of great things coming out of him next few games as he gets into it. Braden, I'm wondering when uh, Kevin Austin's on the field 100%, what are Irish fans going to see from him? You're going to see a star. That's all I'm going to say. That's Braden. So. <laughs> that's Braden Lindsay. And that, I mean, I think that says a lot, right? Yeah. I mean, he says you're going to see a star. I mean, that's high. This guy is being put up there like, for, talk about a guy who hasn't had a chance to show anything on the field. Everyone is just waiting. Yeah, hopefully I, I don't know if it's going to be... Dominating in practice, right? Well, he has <laughs> been from the very limit. I mean, there was only one practice in the spring. He was dominating there. but yeah. So it's hard to know. Um, but And it's hard to know if it's going to happen tonight. Because, again, he might only play 15 plays. So he might not get many opportunities. He's got to get his legs. This is not a guy who's a you know, three-year starter returning from injury. He hasn't, yeah. he hasn't really played. <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. But I'm excited to see what he can do because he could be a difference maker. Well, yeah, especially if his teammates have that much uh, belief in him. It, it, they have to uh, get some more production out of the wide receiver group. So the two deepest passes that I can remember in their first games is a 10-yard out and a 12-yard comeback. I'd say that that's not really uh, utilizing the full attack that you could do. So hopefully they're right. Hopefully we can get – see some more stuff out of the uh, wide receivers so from a guy that everyone expects to be a hero to make really an unsung hero for Notre Dame and that's kicker Jonathan Doerr we got to talk to him for the first time this week here's a guy two years ago who couldn't make extra points and last year was 17 to 20 on field goals he's three of four this year uh you know I was interested about his journey from two years ago to now here's what I had to ask him would the guy the Jonathan Doerr of two years ago believed uh the success you've had uh last year and and this year 
Oh, probably not. Uh, I think I was, I was, I was a little, you know, I was a different headspace when I was that age. You know, I didn't really understand what was going on as much. You know, I think when, uh, you know, when the calendar flipped after the Clemson game, I really started to just take everything a lot more seriously and understand what I needed to do. So, you know, from that perspective, I think, you know, when I was younger, I didn't really have, I didn't, I wasn't thinking as much about what I needed to do, what this looked like, what success looked like. So I didn't believe as much that I was going to be as good. And I didn't really know what that looked like until, you know, I'd struggled a little bit and that kind of, you know, recalibrated my mind and, and what success, you know, what that meant for me, you know, what I needed to do to get there. So, you know, 2019 me, even when I started a little bit early, I, you know, I tried to be a lot more confident, comfortable and just, you know, take it one day at a time and understand that, you know, it might not be perfect, but, you know, I'm doing the best I can and that's the best I can do. And I, you know, I think that made a lot bigger difference. And, you know, when I was younger, I didn't have that with me. Kickers are a different breed. Sometimes they don't have it. And then the light switch goes on and they have it. Uh, it it's been a huge lift for Notre Dame that this guy figured it out. Yeah, well, in the maturity, I think overall, you know, Notre Dame's uh, special teams have been really consistent and their specialists have been good the past couple of years. Um, a lot of times you don't notice those guys until they make a mistake. Right. Well, that's why it was like worth airing a soundbite from him because it's like, yeah, you're, you're, this guy has turned into Mr. Consistency and... I don't think anyone thought that at the start of 2019. They're like, this is, could be a disaster at, at yeah. you know, in terms of field goals and extra points. All right, big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience, helping out with our broadcasts of high school football games as well as basketball games in the near future. We wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tyrac. More tires, great prices. Visit Tyrac. Com. Up next, do you want to hear about uh, really cool Notre Dame stories? Well, Father Joe Carey has experienced so many in his nearly 60 years on campus. He's even got stories from when his dad was an undergrad at Notre Dame when Rockney was coaching. That's a great story you're going to want to hear. It's all next on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio. What's the difference between Notre Dame Federal Credit Union and a bank? Well, banks are owned by investors looking to make a profit. Notre Dame FCU is different. We are a not-for-profit, member-owned cooperative. Our mission is to help our members improve their lives by providing products and services to save them money. If we end up with too much money ourselves, we simply give it away to our members' favorite charities. Last year, over a million dollars. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Well, we're just getting Notre Dame football going again. It's the final week of high school football regular season next Friday in Michiana. It's St. Joe and Marion in the Holy War, we hope. Listen on 95.7, and you can watch on Facebook.com slash 95.7 Sports. And Fort Wayne, Lures and Snyder on 106.3, while Dwinger battles Northrop on RedeemerRadio.com. Tailgate Talk gets you started on both stations at 6 p.m. next Friday. Angel DiCarlo, Kevin Downey back with you here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, Notre Dame and Florida State, 7.30 kickoff tonight at Notre Dame Stadium. All right, Kevin, do you like uh, do you like Notre Dame football stories? I do. Do you like Notre Dame stories? <laughs> I do. You're going to get a lot of them right now. Father Joe Carey graduated from Notre Dame in 1962. He's now 80 years old. Joined the congregation of Holy Cross, ordained in 69, returned in 77, hasn't left since. Family history dates back even longer. His dad went to Notre Dame when Rockney was the head coach. Father Joe's been listening to games on the radio as a kid. Notre Dame's the only school he 
apply to. Uh, he's currently the chaplain for the Alliance of Catholic Education and a chaplain for the women's lacrosse team, has served previously as a rotating chaplain for football and basketball. This man has stories from everything from Rockney to Montana to Catholics versus convicts and Digger Phelps. Here's Focus on Faith with Father Joe Carey. All right, Father Joe, uh, you obviously have a long and great history with, with Notre Dame. You're a 1962 grad yourself, but your dad... A 1932 grad, so he was here uh, for Newt Rockney, and unfortunately, when Newt Rockney died, what are what are your memories of of the stories your dad told about Newt Rockney? Well, one of the stories he told me was that uh, um, he was a junior in the uh, spring of 1931 when Newt Rockney died. He he always told a story about how uh, uh, it turned out the day before. Rockney left on that plane trip with that crash. Um, he was uh, walking across campus and uh, he saw a friend who also was called Rock. So he's yelling, hey, Rock. And Newt Rockney was uh, on the other direction, I guess, and heard him. And he says, hello, what do you want? You know, and, oh, <laughs> sorry, coach. But so then my dad played on the uh, he, he played, uh, he was on the team. He didn't play much the next year, you know, the first year after Rockney. So his senior year, he, he had kind of was a walk on, on the team. So that was significant for my dad and his love for Notre Dame began then. That's a really incredible so, story. And then obviously I imagine you must've grown up a Notre Dame fan. Yeah, we, we would listen to uh, every Notre Dame game on the radio, and I think it was in 1954 was the first time I saw a Notre Dame football game. There was a 39-game winning streak uh, that Notre Dame had from 46 to, uh, I don't know whether it was 49 or 50 where the streak ended. I saw the last win of that streak of 39 games in a row. And then the next week they lost to Purdue. But every Saturday we would be listening to the radio and the importance of uh, pulling through for the Irish. And I remember in one game, which was a 14-14 tie with USC, you know, we were listening to the radio and we were on our knees praying because Notre Dame was behind and uh, pulled it, got it into a tie. So... It was so significant in my family that that was uh, Notre Dame football was just kind of like we were devoted to it, and it was very uh, special. And that makes a lot of sense. And and I'm I'm curious, did you when you were coming to Notre Dame, did you already know you wanted to be a, a priest, and that was also a factor, or did that develop once you came to Notre Dame, or or right after that? My uh, desire to be a priest, I had thought about it a little bit in high school, but I, uh, I w actually went to a Jesuit high school in Detroit, and uh, some of the Jesuits asked me if I would, um, what do you think about a vocation to the priesthood? And I said, no, I'd rather go to Notre Dame. So <laughs> um, I just I just wanted, that was my whole goal in life. And in fact, I was... Uh, I was shocked when I got to Notre Dame in 19, the fall of 58 in that um, 
everyone would say, where else did you apply? And I said, I only applied to Notre Dame. I only, that's because I didn't think to, I want I didn't want to go anywhere else. And luckily I thought later on, I'm lucky I got in. Otherwise I wouldn't have had a college to go to. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, so it was just kind of such an important part of my family's life. And, uh, like I've had, uh, my uncle went here and four cousins and seven nieces and nephews have graduated from Notre Dame. And I have a great niece who's a sophomore now at Notre Dame, a manager of the football. She's a manager of the football team. And then a, a great nephew who's a freshman on the lacrosse team. Our tradition continues with these younger people. So I can only imagine how special that must be for, for your family that you guys are you have a connection here for, I mean, close to a hundred years at this point. I mean, it, it's pretty remarkable. Right. Yeah. That's something I never thought of it that way. But I, then I began thinking about becoming a priest and joining Holy Cross when I was a, a junior, but I waited till I graduated and then entered the seminary after that. I was an accounting major. So I uh, haven't used much accounting in my uh, professional career. Father Joe Carey joining us here on Focus on Faith on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Okay, we're going to jump right to it then because you said you didn't use too much accounting, but I see there's a story out there where you had to use it in 1988, Catholics versus convicts, and you were apparently the person that Pat Walsh said, I'm afraid I got he had made the T-shirts and he decided here, Father Joe, take this fourteen thousand dollars and secure it because I'm afraid I'm going to get robbed. Uh, so I guess you must right. have used your accounting somehow there. Well, I was trustworthy. I guess that was the most important thing. But uh, that move that uh, uh, Catholics versus convict movie was uh, really significant because it was. Uh, I was rector of Dillon Hall while it happened, and Pat Walsh lived there. Pat Creeden, who did it, lived there. Um, Tony Rice lived there. So I, that 30 by 30 movie kind of gave me a glimpse of what was happening in my life at that time. And uh, for Pat, if anyone has seen that movie, uh, it's, it's a really significant movie for Pat Walsh. Because he got in big trouble, was uh, couldn't be a walk on on the men's basketball team, and so it, it would hurt him a lot through much of his life. And one of the things he told me was that that movie helped him heal and find reconciliation in uh, just forgiveness of what had happened to him, and saw the beauty of his growth through that. And doing that movie and being part of it was really a significant moment in his life. And I think that's really interesting because part of sports can teach us a lot about forgiveness of our teammates, or forgiveness of ourselves, and the importance of seeing that necessary in our lives so much to seek forgiveness. And Pat discovered it through that movie. What are your memories of the game? from 88 between Notre Dame and Miami? It was the greatest game I ever saw. It was 
a beautiful fall day. Uh, it was the beginning of uh, fall break. So classes at mid-semester, exams and everything had ended on Friday. The, the atmosphere for the game was electric. It was just this gorgeous October afternoon, and the game lived up to its hype. It was just so amazing. And I remember a, a student at the time who lived in Dillon told me he was supposed to leave the game at halftime to catch a flight to go home to New York. At halftime, he called his dad and he said, Dad, this game is momentous. I can't leave it. Uh, I don't know how I'll get home, but I'm not going to be on the flight. So just know that because the game was so special. As I said, I knew Tony Rice real well, and I knew uh, several guys that lived in Dillon who put on the team, and all that, that that atmosphere was something that I never, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that, that game, but it was really very, very special. Father Joe Carey joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our Focus on Faith interview. 1962 graduate, entered the the Congregation of Holy Cross and uh, was ordained in 1969, returned to Notre Dame in 1977, hasn't left since. In 1977, you were there firsthand as the chaplain for the game when Joe Montana took over against Purdue and, you know, third-string quarterback, who's ever going to think Joe Montana is going to be third-string? And uh, he takes over, leads the Irish back, and then leads them to the national championship. What was going through your mind back then when when you're seeing the third-stringer come in at, at quarterback in the fourth quarter? Well, uh, we were in big trouble, I could tell that. In those days, different priests would go with the team to the away game, so it was down at Lafayette. And... Um, you know, and it was nothing was going well, and uh, the fr- first two quarterbacks got injured, and here was this skinny kid that came in and and just brought him back to victory, and he did it several other times, but uh, no, no one ever ever really heard of him, and here was Joe Montana doing this amazing comeback. I've seen so many amazing moments in Notre Dame football, you know, with uh, Certain individuals who've already stood out to me was, you know, like uh, the Rocket, uh, Ishmael, Jerome Bettis, who is from Detroit also. And Tony Rice was an extraordinary uh, story, such extraordinary stories of people's lives and how they were transformed and changed by Notre Dame, by what they uh, were able to be a part of here. Father Joe Carey. Joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays, our Focus on Faith interview. I know you probably got to have some good Digger Phelps stories for us. Oh, my God, do I? So, <laughs> Digger, um, so I, I did a, a number of uh, travel with the men's basketball team a number of times. One story, Digger thinks it happened in New York, but it, I know it happened in Chicago we were going to play Northwestern, and when we were uh, busing to Chicago for th- that game, I realized I had forgotten the medals. You know, at every game, that, uh, before every game, we had a mass and pass out a medal of some saint. I thought, 
I'm really in big trouble. So there was a guy from Chicago, a lawyer, who used to come to every game. You might have met him, Ed O'Rourke. And he was a just a diehard Notre Dame basketball fan, Notre Dame graduate and everything. So I knew Ed O'Rourke would be uh, there when the team arrived. And so I went up to him and I said, Ed, I really need to go to find a religious store to buy some medals for this game. Um, because I thought if we lose and I forgot the medals, Digger would go berserk on me, you know, and say, <laughs> what kind of irresponsible person is this? I got Ed O'Rourke said, sure, you can use my car. So I went around. I had to find a religious goods store and bought the medals. Digger didn't know till the end or till later that I had forgotten the original medals. And, and it was a good thing that I got them because... We did lose, but it wasn't my fault then. So, but did, uh, did so he still Digger, did he Digger, still try to blame you for it though? <laughs> oh yeah, he 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 wrote a book. Uh, he said that I went on a road trip with them and we lost two games. And he wrote in this book uh, when we got back to campus, the Corby community had fired me as a basketball chaplain I said Digger that didn't happen you know don't you know but uh, but with the Notre Dame men's basketball team I just had some there were some amazing experiences with that also and I remember uh, you remember Orlando Woolridge sure who was uh, uh, he was uh, he went on to the pros and everything but after he graduated from Notre Dame and he was in the NBA a reporter one time asked him, you know, Orlando, you're pretty articulate and you can get up and give a nice talk. And how did you learn how to do that? And he said, from mass. And the reporter says, what do you mean from mass? He said, well, each one of us, each game would uh, be the reader at the mass. So I learned how to stand up in front of my peers and read a scripture passage and that's how I learned how to speak publicly. So I always thought that was pretty interesting that uh, uh, Orlando wasn't Catholic, but he just saw that was a valuable experience for him. And I, I had an amazing experience with Digger, one of the players who was from Marion, Indiana. Uh, his father died, so I rode down to um, Marion, Indiana with Digger and it was just him and I in the car. And I just found we talked a lot about a lot of different things. And I just found him as a, an amazing person and always respected him, even though he could uh, he could sometimes tell you stuff that didn't happen. But <laughs> I, I remember him as a man of I said, this is the private Digger Phelps, and that's really special. And uh, that's how he cared for his players and that each one of them was very special and getting to know them and see them and in that way. Finally, Father Joe, obviously we've talked about so many of these special memories that you've had, your family history. You said going to Notre Dame was, was the goal, the dream you wanted. So what has this life experience for you been like to serve God and and to do it by being at the place that you love so much at Notre Dame? 
I always tell the younger rectors, be patient. These, these young men that you are with now are going to grow into tremendous people who will be great husbands and great fathers. And uh, I, I get this great feeling of God's love being present at Notre Dame because of how people grow and develop are renewed or forgiven who, who have overcome obstacles and become people who love God and their neighbor and uh, bring uh, joy to life. So my, my life has been really blessed and I'm so appreciative is, uh, because I get to be around people who love each other who are, have values and faith and uh, to be able to talk to them about what they're going to do uh, with their lives. That's my uh, joy of my life. So there's a lot of, uh, it, it means a lot that I've been so blessed to be able to live this life and be with such tremendous people and over several generations. You had said to me, you've been, your family's been around for a hundred years and that's kind of, I never thought of it that way, but that's, that's my life. I've been a part of it. Father Joe, thank you so much for taking the time to share your stories and your love of Notre Dame with us. Thank you. Father Joe Carey, CSC, joining us. What what a great man on Focus on Faith here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Those were some fun stories, weren't they? So many stories. <laughs> like you said, going over such a long period of time. I had to edit out about 10 minutes worth of stories, too. There was a lot of good stuff in there. What stood out for you? Um, gosh, I... I just think his uh, his last point was kind of a, a life well lived at Notre Dame and seeing the impact of Notre Dame. You know, we, at least for me, I grew up here. Sometimes I think we may take it for granted if we're local people, but um, yeah, what a neat, <laughs> neat thing and what a long time. Yeah, absolutely. 80 years old, still going strong. He's uh, currently the chaplain for the Alliance of Catholic Education and also the chaplain for the women's lacrosse team. So thanks to Father Joe Carey for joining us on Focus on Faith. All right, time for our last time out when we come back. A little bit of uh, breaking news on Notre Dame football's player availability for tonight's game. It's good news. I'll say that. Uh, we'll have that for you right after this. You're listening to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays on Redeemer Radio. Welcome to Tom's Car Care Center. Thanks. I'm here for an oil change. How long do you think it'll take? I need to finish up some work and then stop and pick up lunch somewhere. Well, if you need to work, we have free Wi-Fi here at Tom's Car Care. And our Coffee Spot Cafe has great choices from soups to sandwiches, salads and wraps, and a great place to sit down and enjoy your food. Really? I can do all that here at Tom's Car Care? Sure. You can even run your car through the Waterworks Car Wash after we're done. Wow, what a time saver. Thank you. Tom's Car Care has it all. Tom's Car Care, the Coffee Spot Cafe, and the Waterworks Car Wash, located at 3201 Sugar Maple Lane in South Bend. All right, welcome back on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. On Carlo, Kevin Downey, our game day sprint, Notre Dame, Florida State at 7.30 this evening. 
Brian Kelly just appearing on College Game Day on ESPN. Adam Darangowski from WSBT reporting that Kelly said Notre Dame will only be missing two players against Florida State. We already know who those two players would be, Jack Kaiser and Myron Tagovailoa Mosa. So if it is indeed only two players that are out tonight, that's great news. That's great news for Notre Dame. Um, obviously, you want it to be zero, but you're going to take two when it was 39 yeah. a couple weeks ago. So that's a, that's really good news heading into tonight's game. Well, and they're going to um, – that was what we started out with, right? All the questions with COVID and everything. So it's good. All right. 7.30 kickoff. 7.30 tonight, Notre Dame and Florida State. Florida State, not good. 0-2 in the ACC, 1-2 overall, lost to Georgia Tech 16-13, lost at Miami 52-10, beat Jacksonville State 50, or they didn't beat Jacksonville State by that score. I don't know. They beat Jacksonville State. <laughs> they were down 21-7 at with five minutes left in the second quarter. Jordan Travis came off the bench, led FSU on five straight scoring drives from there. He was 13 of 18 for 215 yards. Here's Brian Kelly on Florida State. Founder, quarterback, and Jordan Travis will prepare for a couple of other quarterbacks we, we know well about, uh, very well about James Blackman. We've faced him um, as well, but uh, look like they've gotten some uh, energy from Travis. Uh, outstanding running backs, uh, talented wide receivers. Um, and, and so we know uh, the challenges that we're going to face uh, with, with this offense. Um, I think from a defensive standpoint, I think if you look at this team overall, there's probably six, seven first day draft picks. Um, you know, uh, Kandau, Wilson, Gaynor, uh, Samuel, um, you know, the safety uh, who's been out for a couple of weeks uh, certainly uh, is, is a big time player. So very talented on defense as well. And a lot of respect for uh, um the, the talent that we're going to see. And again, we're, we're coming off a long layoff and, and we're going to have to be uh, at our very best and get off to a really good start. We didn't get off to a good start uh, in our opener against Duke and uh, uh, it, it factored into the game. We got off to a great start against South Florida and it did factor into the game and we'll need to get off to a good start against Florida State. I think that's the most important point he's made. I mean, if they mm -hmm. get off to a slow start, people are going to be anxious, not feeling good, worried because they haven't played. That could be a big factor in how long it takes before Notre Dame puts Florida State away. I think we all know they sh – I mean, it would be – it, it's weird to say it would be a huge upset if Florida State beat Notre Dame, but it would be a monumental upset if they did. Um, it's just a matter of the way Notre Dame plays here tonight. Well, the Florida State does have the athletes um, for sure, but they're just they're not really put together well right now. They're really inconsistent. The only thing I'll say is maybe Jordan Travis, five straight scoring drives, maybe they found it. Again, I said this earlier, maybe they found something, and that could throw Notre Dame off tonight because they're going to play a lot more like they did in the second half of that game versus the way they did in the first two games. Uh, Sante Samuel, also very good cornerback. Three interceptions already this year, so uh, look out for that. All right, uh, what are your thoughts? What what happens in this one? Well, I do think Notre Dame's going to win. I think the uh, you know with Florida State, the, their uh, offensive line is just is really struggling and they're, they're pretty weak. So um, 
inconsistent quarterback play. I know they found somebody uh, good running backs, but again, I don't know if it, it matters if you're really struggling up front. And then they do have a great wide receiver in uh, 15, Terry. He's averaged like over 10 yards. What stands out most to me for their uh, defense, honestly, is that they do have a handful of players, I think, that would play about anywhere. Their defensive lineman, number 21, Wilson, he's um, just a stud. He's really good, but there's only one of them. Uh, their linebackers, 33, Gainer, he's their leading tackler, 32, uh, Dix, Stephen Dix, he's really tough. And then at that third level, the DB, you know, the corner, corner Asante Samuel Jr., um, obviously he's, he's pretty good. Um, and then number 18, uh, their safety, Travis, uh, who is it, Jay, he does, you know, kind of shows up as well. He's not a Kyle Hamilton impact, but, you know, okay. he's pretty good. <laughs> so okay. they, they do have, at every level, some difference makers. If they start to, to get off to a, a good start, make some plays, you know, it could be whatever. <laughs> All right, scoring prediction real quick. 45-7. Wow. I'm going to go 31-10. I just wonder if they're going to be off to a slow start because of everything that's going on. All right, that'll do it for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame FCU, where Bank does matter. Thanks to our audio operator today, Ilya Glasman. For Kevin Downey, I'm Angel DiCarlo. 7.41 p.m. kickoff for Notre Dame and Florida State tonight at Notre Dame Stadium. You can watch the game locally on WNDU. And, of course, we'll be back with you next Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Redeemer Radio for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. We close our show the same way the Irish traditionally close their pregame in prayer. Hi, this is Father Nate Wills. I'm a Holy Cross priest, a faculty member at Notre Dame's Alliance for Catholic Education, and one of the chaplains to the Notre Dame football team. This is a prayer that the players pray together at the end of our pregame mass. Let us pray. Grant, we beseech you, O Lord our God, that we may enjoy continual health of mind and body, and by the glorious intercession of Mary our Lady, May we accept the joys and trials of this life and someday enter into eternal happiness. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Go Irish! This has been a presentation of Redeemer Radio Sports. Thanks for joining us for Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Enjoy today's game. Are you feeling sandwiched between caring for aging parents while still raising children? If so, join me, Chris Godfrey, every Monday afternoon at 1230 for my new show, The Sandwich Generation. Every week I'll have conversations with experts and friends on this important calling. Being sandwiched is a great opportunity for growing on our friendship with God. So tune in for good advice and inspiration every Monday afternoon at 1230 or listen anytime at RedeemerRadio.com slash sandwich.